0: The Wicked Smart Sports Guys is brought to you by SunMaxBatteries.com, the go-to website for all your battery needs. Selmax batteries compares in quality to well-known national brands, and the best part, Selmax batteries are priced much lower than their competitors. Flashlights, remote controls, gaming controls, headphones, still cameras, hearing aids, smoke alarms, whatever device you need a battery for, Sumax has the best batteries at the best price, for your device. You can order a 24 pack of AA or AAA heavy duty batteries for only $5.99 or a 24 pack of ultra alkaline, ideal for all kinds of gaming and high tech devices at just $12.99 Order today and use the code Boston. That's on code, code Boston. All case at checkout and save twenty percent off your entire order. Once again, that's coupon code, code Boston at checkout. All over case and save big today on these already low prices from CellmaxBatteries.com, C E L L M A X Batteries.com, the official sponsor of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Wicked Smart Sports Guys podcast. Thanks as always to Dolly Dreams for the intro music. This week, we're talking uh, with Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog and CNLS Media. We're doing an NBA preview, which is kind of crazy to say, in late July. I don't know if you want to call it an NBA preview 2.0 or 1.5 or whatever it is, but we're going to preview the restart of the season with Adam. So, Adam, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. Thank you for having me.
0: No problem. And guys, also make sure to check out Adam's podcast Celtics blog podcast be sure to check that out he's doing some great things over there uh so as I said we're going to get into a preview of sorts here but I'll ask you right off the bat has anything stuck out to you about these scrimmage games from any of these teams you know have you noticed a lot of rustiness does the presentation stick out to you is there something else about the games or the environment that really has been on your mind while you've been watching these games
1: I've got to say man I kind of love the um the way the state, the way the court's laid out and the way it kind of reminds me of the TBT tournament and the camera angles that we can get due to the being no fans. In terms of play, transition defense has been terrible, man. Everybody's just gassed. Realistically, a lot of the way that we've seen a little bit of experimentation as well. A lot of teams have gone very small. A few teams have gone historically big. I'm um, looking at you, Denver. Other than that, it's been kind of just refreshing to see basketball again. I get it's not competitive, but it's it's been enjoyable.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think the rust has been, you know, somewhat predictable. I, I, I don't think anybody's any more or less rusty than you would have thought, other than save for, you know, maybe Jalen Brown, who's looked incredible. Uh, but you know, guys are getting back into the flow of things, and I think for the most part, shaking off that rust, and we're getting NBA basketball back. So, um, now onto the preview stuff and what we're gonna t- start uh talking with, and I think what we'll start out with is, what? Uh, why don't you give me your final standings predictions? Just run through. All of them, real quickly, just one through eight in the East, one through eight in the West. And then, if you have significant moves of those standing predictions, just touch on those once you've run through the entirety of the standing. So, the floor is yours. Give me one through eight in both conferences.
1: East, I'm going, I'm keeping it the same pretty much for the top two. So, I've got Bucks and Raptors, Celtics. I think they're going to stay where they are too, actually. Heat. Then I can see the 76ers overtaking the Pacers. The Nets falling to 8th and the Magic moving up to 7th as long as Jonathan Jonathan Isaac is playing some form of minutes as we saw yesterday. That's pretty much it. The only thing I see changing really is the Sixers moving at one spot and the Magic and Nets switching places. I don't see the Wizards going much further but there may be a playing tournament for that 8th seed. On the West, I've got Lakers. Clippers going to stay the same. Nuggets and Jazz, yet Thunder. I'm going to keep them where they are too. I can see the Grizzlies and Ma- well, I can see the Grizzlies dropping out of the 8th seed to the Blazers or the Pelicans, depending on which one runs better. Personally, I believe it's going to be the Blazers because they've got more experience. They had a great run last year. I don't see them giving up lightly. And as a Celtics guy, I want the Grizzlies to fall out of the playoffs completely anyway. I can see the Mavericks maybe fighting with the Rockets to change 6th and 7th. But the biggest changes are going to be the Ape Seed for me. So I can see the Blazers taking over the Grizzlies
0: for that Ape Seed. So that's interesting. So I didn't see a lot of change in your list. So you think things are going to stay about where they are right now, right?
1: Yeah, the occasional team moving up and switching places. But overall, I feel like what we are seeing now is what's going to be going into the playoffs.
0: I do have a few more changes. I'll say So I have Bucks at one, which goes without saying, obviously. I don't even think they can get out of that spot. Raptors at two. Celtics at 3, and I'll get to that in a second. Sixers at 4, actually, which is a big move. Heat at 5, Pacers at 6, Magic at 7, and then Nets, barely 8th, barely. And then out west, uh, the Lakers 1, obviously, Nuggets 2, Clippers 3, so there's a change. Thunder at 4, Rockets at 5, Jazz down to 6, Mavericks at 7, and then Grizzlies again, Just barely at 8, so a few things I'll touch on there. Raptors and Celtics, I just... You know, a three-game deficit's a lot to make up, and I know people got excited when the schedule got released, and, you know, the fact that the Raptors had the second toughest schedule and the Celtics had the third easiest. But just with eight games left on the schedule... I just don't see it happening. You know, I have too much respect for the Raptors to see them doing any worse than even four and four with their schedule. I think that's even a bad record and a low end projection. And I don't think the Celtics are going seven and one. I just, you know, I think they probably the Celtics at least drop two, especially if Kemba is sitting some of these games or still working his way back. I just, I get why people are optimistic. I just think it's too tall a task it's it's a really tough ask to make up that kind of ground especially the fact that people are going to be using these games to kind of work back and get into rhythm rather than really maybe push for that two seed so um then i have the sixers jumping up to four this is kind of a similar situation to the celtics raptors situation in a lot of ways except in this case there's only two games to make up the sixers have an even easier schedule than the celtics and the Heat have an even harder schedule than the Raptors, who they had the se- the the Heat uh, the Raptors rather had the second toughest schedule. The Heat have the toughest schedule, and the Sixers have the second easiest. So I think that we could see a change there. Um, you know, if any team in Orlando or any any big movement, I think the Sixers are the one who I could I could see moving up. So I see this as, as significantly more possible. And I think it happens. I think Philly starts playing better. They're actually tied with the Pacers right now. Uh, they are in six because of those tiebreakers, but I could see them moving up those spots and, and overtaking the Pacers pretty easily, and then moving on to the Heat, and I think they can overtake that too, so uh, that's my big prediction. At Orlando at seven, obviously, and then the Nets, I want to kick out, but even if it came to a play-in, I think they, they can at least win one of the two games against the Wizards. The, the Nets are bad enough that it could get to a play-in, but the Wizards... Sands, Bradley Beal are not taking two of two games against the Nets as bad as they are, so I'll keep the Nets there, and then that Nets-Bucks series is just going to be a joke. Uh, In the West, the Nuggets jump up. Uh, I like how they've been playing. They're one and a half back. I think that's doable. They do have a tough schedule, but I still think they can do it and will do it. Um, the Jazz falling back two spots has a lot to do with the infighting there between their two best players and the loss of Bogdan Bogdanovich, their third best player. So, you know, I, I just don't trust that team on and off the court right now, and I think they'll struggle early on trying to figure out how to play with Bogdanovich, or without Bogdanovich, rather, uh, you know, and among some other things. So, uh, and then lastly, the Grizzlies stick at, seven, or stick at eight. I just think it's asking a lot for any potential nine seed to take two games Against the incumbent eight seed with this setup, where if the play, if it comes to a play-in tournament, the eight seed only needs to win one game and the nine seed only wins two, I think it's asking too much. I don't see it happening. I suppose someone could surpass the Grizzlies still and take over that eight seed if the Pelicans hype is real. I suppose they could have some crazy record in this eight-game stretch and do that. I don't think the Blazers do that, even though I like the fact that Nurkic is back for them. But ultimately, I see the Grizzlies hang on there and not getting overtaken and winning the play-in. You know, I, I know it's boring. I have both eight seeds staying the same. But, you know, it's, I think it's just so difficult to, to for that. They made it so difficult for those nine seeds to win the play-in. It's basically like you're going into a game six uh, to, right to start a series and you got to win both games. That's, that's tough. So I want so badly for a nine seed to win a play-in tournament. I just don't think it's going to happen. So... That's it. That's what I'm predicting. Does anything stick out there to you about my standings? The only one
1: I'm really curious about is I can see the Sixers switching with the Pacers. I don't feel like they're going to overtake the Heat unless Ben Simmons really explodes playing at this four position. But my question to you is what do you feel is more likely? The Sixers moving up to four and overtaking the Heat or the Jazz falling two positions?
0: That's tough. I think off the top of my head, I don't know the exact standings now, but I was looking at them, obviously, before I kind of went through what I was going to put down. But I think that the West is a lot closer than the East, and which is crazy because the East is only two games. But if you look out West, the Jazz are only one game up on the sixth seed. So there's one game that separates the Jazz, the Thunder, and the Rockets. So I would probably lean towards the Jazz for only that reason. But obviously, like I said, the schedule plays in the Sixers' favor. There, I know, like you know, I, I know that we're ta- you, you just mentioned, like you can see the Sixers overtaking the Jazz or the Pacers. They're tied right now, so it's almost like they're in the same the same spot. You know, it's it's not like I'm asking the Sixers to make these crazy leaps and uh, over the Pacers and and the Heat. They're kind of even with the Pacers right now, and it should be pretty easy for them to, to overlap them. So I, I think that, that that Heat thing is is more possible there. But um, but as far as which I think is more likely to happen. Uh, I would probably say the Jazz find those two spots just because of how how close that is right now. There's there's not as much ground to make up for the Thunder and Rockets.
1: That makes sense, and I can see that more being more possible as well. The other team that's really impressed me, and I don't know how you feel about them at the moment, is Oklahoma, especially with the way that they've beat both Boston and Philadelphia in the playoffs. They've kind of dispatched with two of the East best teams one after another, playing great looking strong. Steven Adams looks like he's ready to go. Chris Paul, you you heard that Brad Stevens quote, has been very dominant vocally in a very quiet environment. I feel like they're probably a team that you could watch to either move. I don't see them moving lower, but I see them possibly moving up a few spaces in that standing. So at the moment, they're sitting at fifth. And as you said, they're a, a game behind the Jazz, but they're only two and a half games behind Denver in third. If they play the way they've played in the scrimmages, uh, excluding the one that's upcoming, because we haven't seen that, obviously, do you feel like there's an opportunity for them to move up to third?
0: I mean, that's tough. Like I just said, I have Denver moving up to two. So moving up to third, I mean, you're going to have to ask Denver to play really bad. I do think they have a tough schedule, so maybe it's possible. But Denver's looked really good, and I'll get to them later because I actually want to talk about them in a different segment. But um, the Thunder, I agree. I mean, I've heard a lot of people... Saying, like, there's been some whispers that they're popular, kind of upset pick, and a lot of people think that they're like a serious contender here. And you know, they have a really well rounded team. Like, people give Chris Pettit- Chris Paul, a lot of credit for this season that the Thunder have had, and he probably deserves it, but. The other thing is that people don't talk about as much is they have really good players around Chris Paul. It's not all Chris Paul. Like, Shai Gildas-Alexander's had a great season. Danilo Gallinari's had one of his best seasons of his career, and he's been able to stay healthy. Obviously, Steven Adams is always great. Dennis is a Sixth man of the year candidate. So they're, they've had a, plenty of guys on the team, not just Chris Paul, who have really been great this season. And now they have Andre Robertson back, which is obviously a big get for them on the defensive end. And if he's knocking down threes like he has in these scrimmage games... That's going to be huge for them. So I don't know how I feel about the Thunder. I, I stopped short of calling them a real series contender. I don't know that I'd pick them to win more than one series. But I think the spot to be, honestly, if you're like the Jazz, Thunder, or Rockets, is probably that three spot. As long as the Nuggets stick there and don't move up, I think that people perceive the Nuggets to be more beatable so than, than you know, the Clippers, the Lakers, which is kind of obvious. But, um, you know, and maybe you'd rather be in that 4-5. But as far as, like, you know, the future of it, I don't know if you'd rather play the Clippers or Lakers in the second round. I guess that's kind of a toss-up. Uh, you know, pick your poison there. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know that I see the Thunder going very far, but I, I have liked their team, and I what's around Chris Paul, I think those guys maybe don't get enough credit, as much credit as they should.
1: Yeah, I agree. I can't see them being, like, sleeper championship guys i can see them being a team that if they face a potential western conference team so if the Funder were say the Funder ended up facing denver because denver slipped which i don't see happening but if it did then i could see the Funder probably upsetting the odds and beating denver but i agree with you a second round exit looks very very much likely and it would be a very fair exit point for them if they do make it to the finals in the West, then anything's possible. I feel like Chris Paul is probably considering this is his most realistic chance to actually win a ring now. There's so many different factors that have gone into it. There's no crowd. There's no home game advantage. So he's probably gone in there with the mindset of this is anybody's to win and everybody's to lose. I just can't see, see them getting out of the second either. I do agree with you on that position.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think of that, how Chris Paul feels about this. But he he could easily think that. You're right. He could think, you know what, we're in a bubble. There's no home court advantage. Like, I can really take advantage of this. Maybe he is thinking that. It's tough to know how these players really feel if they're looking at that and thinking they have, uh, like, an opportunity here. But Chris Paul would certainly be one if if you're looking at a guy that really needs that ring. And, you know, who would get unbelievable, like, unbelievable props if he was able to pull this off. Because people love Chris Paul, people are sad he, he didn't get a ring, and, you know, he was traded to the Thunder, and people were already talking about a buyout and all this stuff, and or trying to facilitate a trade for him to the Heat or some other team, and apparently these teams didn't want him. So, if he was able to pull this off and win a championship, he would get all the credit in the world, and he'd, he'd probably skyrocket up these kind of NBA all-time ranks of point guards and all these players. Like, he would vault his way into the conversation with probably you're talking about isaiah thomas of the pistons as like one of the all-time great point guards uh with a title like this i mean you know i know isaiah won two but if if chris paul is able to pull this off with the thunder in in the season that they were expected to have that would be all-time stuff
1: yeah i think the only team that you could kind of liken that to is the dirk led dirk led Mavs team that ended up winning the championship that nobody ever talks about because it would be the underfancied team with less talent that played gritty and somehow relied on a star to get them to the finals and then to get them over the hill. It would be phenomenal. I really don't think it's possible, but if anyone can do it, as you said, Chris Paul's the guy that can make that happen.
0: All right, that, yeah, that would be awesome. I'd actually love to see that. Um, okay, well, let's look at some other preview-related stuff. I want to pose this question to you: What team do you think will have made the biggest leap or look the most different from what we saw? from them last in March and I don't I don't mean the Nets in which case it's actually a completely different team but give me a a, like a most improved team and if it's a team that was kind of already on the uptick near where we left off I'll still allow it but what I really want is like a team that you think that it's just is primed to take the next leap into contenderdom if that's a word
1: Contended them. I had the magic wrote down as the one to take the leap during this. Well, battle. that's fine.
0: That's fine. You can say it doesn't have to be contended them, just the, the next step as a team. The magic is perfectly fine. I should maybe I shouldn't have said contended them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I had the magic down simply because they've looked good. Fultz has got a. I, I mean, I wrote about this recently. I see faults this year as Fultz's rookie season. Um, personally, just because he's had such a start career. Him and Jonathan Isaac have built up some great chemistry. Jonathan Isaac played seven minutes in his first game back and absolutely filled the stat sheet. With them, Aaron Gordon, I feel like, and then Nikola Vukovic, if that team stays healthy and they figure out how to play together and figure it out fast, then I feel like they're going to be a tough out for anybody in, in the playoffs, especially with Isaac protecting the rim. I mean, he's averaging two and a half blocks a game at the moment. Well, he was before he got injured, excuse me. The only other team I've really seen making strides that could look better than when March actually came around would most likely be the Grizzlies. I feel like Ja Morant's rested, Triple J's rested. They're going to have to fight for their lives to get into the playoffs anyway, just because of how close they are in the Ape seed to dropping out. I mean, it's only, what, three and a half games? So it's not close, but it's close enough that a few bad games can really put you under pressure. And I want to see what Ja Morant likes in the playoffs. I feel like he's going to ele- elevate his game that little bit more. And then you've got the Thunder, which we've just covered. So those are probably my three picks, but the Magic could be my number one team to shut people as we move in
0: through these seeding games into the playoffs. So let me ask you this, because you picked the Magic, who would you rather face in a first-round series, the Pacers or the Magic right now? The Pacers?
1: I don't know. I'm asking myself as we say this. Um i'd probably still want to face the magic just because Fultz is not reliable enough yet to be classed as a threat whereas olodi oladipo coming back and i'm a huge fan of malcolm brogdon i think
0: what he does on the court is amazing okay wow yeah that's interesting i i I think i would still rather face the magic but i see what you're saying there because you're right jonathan isaac has played really well here in the bubble and you know he's a guy that if he breaks out and turns into you know a player that you know potential kind of fringe all-star player then that's huge because what the Magic need the most is like creating and playmaking and a guy that can really lead their offense. So if he can do that, that's perfect. Uh, so there are a few teams that I was gonna go with here. The Rockets were one. They seem that they have you know figured something out with Westbrook and the super small ball, um, the super duper small ball, I should even say, uh, where we left off. The Mavericks with Luca um, is always a treating pick, especially with how Seth Curry's been shooting down in Orlando. I think don't think he's missed yet. Um, the Magic with Isaac, obviously, that's that's another one. Um, and the Pelicans kind of goes without saying. They just they've you know their potential with Zion has always been great. Uh, but I'm gonna go with the Nuggets. You know, I, I don't know how much they'll play Bowl when we get to the real games, but he has looked really good, and I kind of salivate to think about what that team could look like in five years with Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr., and potentially Bol Bol at the four and Jokic at the five, or vice versa, because that duo works. I think, you know, people might have thought that they're both centers and they won't fit together, but they both space the floor a little bit. Uh, Bol's pretty, Bol is pretty athletic. He's athletic enough to play alongside him, and they, they don't clog things up for each other, and I think they can coexist and thrive together. You know, Nurkic and Jokic couldn't, but I think Bol Bol and Jokic can. So, um, I'm getting a little off track, but I think Bol Bol and Michael Porter Jr., are clearly ready for bigger roles, and I think there's a chance Denver is willing to give them to them. And if it works out, I'll say they can take them from being a really good all-around team that wins a lot of games but people don't take seriously as a contender to someone who people have to take seriously as a contender. So I'm hopeful that it happens. And you know, I just love watching those two players play. I, I want to see them play more, and I love watching Jokic too. So um, it just all depends on what Mike Malone's rotations are going to be, and will he actually trust. Uh, start playing these rookies when you are third in the West, you've been third in the West with the guys you've been playing. Are you going to go with younger, less experienced players who could make more mistakes and make your team worse? But either way, I'm picking the Nuggets, if only so I can talk about Bowl, Bowl for two minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, my biggest thing with Bulbul is he's missed the entire season. He comes back into scrimmage and absolutely lights it up. His trainer goes on record saying that Bulbul's Ball the real unicorn and he's going to be the better version of the unicorn on both ends of the floor but he hasn't played a minute of competitive NBA basketball and putting it, putting him in, in the playoffs is going to be a huge risk. One, because he's, we don't know where he stands with his injury. He was on a minute's restriction when he showed out in the, in the scrimmages. He's most likely going to go through the seeding games on a minute's restriction. If he then goes into the playoffs and you build a scheme around him playing, playing off the bench with, MPJ and maybe slot him in with the starters when the times are right and then he re-aggravates that injury then where do you stand then how do you kind of pivot back and go back to the guys that have kind of got their noses disjointed because you've slotted Bol Bol in so late in the season personally I think you're going to see him play spot minutes this year and then now look to heavily integrate him in next season that would be what I'd expect from them with Bol Bol
0: Yeah, I mean, I I get what you're saying there, but I do think Paul Millsap is like consummate professional guy. So even if a situation like that did play out, I think a guy like Paul Millsap, if he's the guy that that comes, you know, if it comes at the expense of him and his minutes, I could see him potentially being okay with that. Um, But but let's move on. Let's move on to another fun one. Give me a first round upset pick. You know, without home court advantage, I'm feeling an upset brewing in one of these series. So, I mean, what's it going to be? Give it to me. I can see the Sixers having a first round exit. I can see the I just feel like the Raptors are
1: one of those teams. If there was a sleeper team, a team that was really going to make waves in the Eastern Conference and towards playoff contention, I've just, I just think it's the Raptors. They're really well coached. They've got great length, great ability on defense. I mean, some of their guys, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Mark Gasol, Carl Lowry is probably better on D as well than what I consider him to be on offense. And he's a great offensive guy when he gets going. I just feel like the Sixers have been so disjointed this year that if the standings stayed the way they are at the moment and they faced the Raptors in the first round, while the Sixers probably have more talent on paper, the Raptors are far more cohesive. If the Raptors would drop to three, then I can see the Raptors beating the Sixers over a first-round series, simply because I feel like the Raptors have got better defence. They're more poised, more cohesive as a unit, more in touch with what their coach is trying to do on a schematic standpoint, whereas the Sixers have been very disjointed this year, They're playing around with what they want to do with Ben Simmons because they still can't figure out how best to make him work with Embiid. And if they come up against the Raptors in the first round, I can see it being a repeat of last year where the Raptors knocked them out. It would just be a lot earlier.
0: Yeah, so even though I just picked the Nuggets as my team making a leap, uh, I will say Luka Doncic as a 7 seed is staring me right in the face, and it's enticing, but I'm not going to go there. Um, At the beginning of this, I moved Philly up to four. Uh, did I do that just so I could take Miami as an upset pick and get away with it? You know, the, the answer was originally going to be no, but after looking through the rest of the standings, I decided it was a yes. And I feel bad because I'm totally cheating, but I I am going to go ahead. I'm going to pick the heat over the Sixers with my kind of new configured standings. And, you know, again, I mean, you just picked Philly as well. Would this be an upset pick now? Probably not, you know, because Philly's had such a bad season. But if you talked to us back in October... Philly was a title favorite and everyone thought they would be so they have the talent that you know they should be better than they are so just talent to talent it's very much an upset pick but you know maybe as far as the standings it it wouldn't be viewed that way but I can just easily see Bam Adebayo frustrating Joel Embiid to no end and hampering him in a series and Jimmy Butler just going scorched earth to get his revenge because no one holds a spiteful grudge in the NBA quite like Jimmy Butler so, you know, I I think that this is kind of maybe a pseudo opposite pick, not so much. And I think that was the same for both of us, um, which is unfortunate because I feel like, like I said, I feel like there should be some team we see here and say without home court advantage, this team can actually make an upset because it's just so huge in the NBA that I feel like there should be some team on this list that we can both point to and be like, oh yeah, that team will come through in a series. They'll, they'll make a big play. They'll make an upset. But I just can't really find that team as I'm going through these these kind of, uh, you know, all these different teams and, and all these different potential series, I can't find one where I'm like, that team's poised to, to, that two or three seed or one seed is poised to get, like, knocked off in the first round. I just, I can't see any of those teams. No,
1: the teams are just so strong. Upsets are really hard to come by, especially when you're playing in a situation like this. But the re- one of the reasons I chose Philly and i, I considered the same for you is that you've got Joel Embiid that's notoriously better at home than he is on the road. He's like he's amped up by fans. They're one of the best teams on paper. They haven't managed to pull it together on, on the floor too often this year. And then, to me, they're, they're odds-on to face a really tough team in the first round at the minute they're meant to go against Boston. I genuinely, as a homer take, but kind of standing aside from that and being more analytical, I can see Philly being the biggest team the biggest name team to go out in the first round. I don't see them getting past Boston, Miami, or Toronto, to be
0: quite honest. Okay, now now let's move on from that to who's going to be the bubble MVP. And you can go a number of different ways with this, however you want to spin it, whether it's the best player who, when final's MVP, it doesn't have to be that guy. It can be a player that just really steps up and takes his team on an unexpected playoff run. Or maybe even an expected playoff run. It just you know, is it plays out of his mind? Even if it only lasts for you know two rounds. If it's a guy like you know maybe Zion Williamson or Damian Lillard who powers his team to the eighth seed, and then you know, or, or you know, even further than that, and then has a takes you know the Lakers or Clippers to seven. I would even allow something like that. So just give me someone you think is going to have a standout performance in Orlando.
1: Okay, so I'm going to avoid, and I'm going to premise this by saying I'm not going to pick anyone from the Lakers or Clippers simply because they're they're very easy options the same as Luka Doncic should be an easy option so I'm going to avoid him too a second tier Dan it's still kind of an easy option but I really think he's going to show out is James Harden I feel like he's going to really push that Rockets team he we don't know what comes next for Houston if they have an early exit we don't know what comes next for Houston if they have a second round exit James Harden's been a guy that's managed to drag that team towards finals before he's been an one of the best scorers in the league for what now four or five years, he's coming in rested. He's usually he's got a ridiculously high usage rate, so by now he's probably feeling the aches and pains of the season. Playing alongside Westbrook, playing in that five-out system as well, that's really going to play to his his skill set and play to his advantage. I can see him having a ridiculous tournament.
0: Yeah. James Harden's a good one. I I like James Harden. I think he gets disrespected as a guy that people perceive as this choker, but, and it's just really because of how good he is. He's so good in the regular season that people think he should just win everything. And when he, you know, takes the Warriors to seven games in a series, which he has done before, or six games, he takes them deep in a series and he can't get past this team, which everyone agrees is an all-time team. People rip him. And it's like, well, you know, James Harden still led that team with almost no other stars to these great heights, you know, and some, you know, one of those years he had Chris Paul and, you know, so I don't want to say no other stars, but he's, he's played really well just because he hasn't gotten over the hump yet. Doesn't mean he's a choker. It's kind of the same thing with Chris Paul that he's had to deal with his whole career, but that's a good one. I, I like it. Uh, I might say Jimmy Butler, if I hadn't already talked about him. Uh, I don't know if, if this is, so, you know, I'm not going to go there, but I don't know if this is a Homer pick, but I actually feel like the most logical option here is Jason Tatum. I think, he can have that combination of putting up crazy numbers and winning that makes him a great bubble MVP pick. You know, we'll get into just how far I think they'll go in a second, but I can easily see Tatum averaging 30 per game and winning some huge games for the Celtics. And Giannis might do the same and LeBron might do the same, but like you said, I want to pick a guy that plays significantly better than his usual level. And Giannis and LeBron are usually the two best players in the league. So I expect that from them. I think Jason Tatum could play like the third best player in the league You know in the NBA in this bubble and I think he could have that kind of performance even though you know He's obviously not that's not where he ranks in the NBA hierarchy. So that's why I'm picking him I think he can play out of his mind here He can lead the Celtics to great heights, which is not necessarily what's expected from him just yet
1: That's completely fair and I wanted to say Tatum But I wanted to avoid the homer take because I'm the guest on this show So I'm gonna stick with Harden But I can definitely see Tatum being one of the guys to make waves during this bubble
0: All right, now, before we get out of here, real quick, let's do some conference finals and championship picks. Uh, How do you see this all turning out? Who are your picks to to come out of the East and West and then face off in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference Finals?
1: Okay, so I've got Milwaukee and Boston coming out of the East, and I've got the two LA teams coming out of the West. I came into the season believing the Clippers were going to be the the LA team to make it to the finals. That kind of changed throughout the season. One, because LeBron's on a mission now due to everything that happened around Kobe and the fact that he wants AD to stick around and show AD that there's a winning situation there. So he's on a mission. So I can see the Lakers coming out of the West. As much as I don't want to say I can see Milwaukee coming out of the East, and then I can see the Lakers beating Milwaukee in sixth.
0: Wow, yeah, so that's a good one. I actually have the exact same finals or Eastern Conference and Western Conference finals as you. I'm going with Lakers Clippers out West as well and Bucks Celtics out East. I think Tatum, going back to my MVP pick, plays out of his mind. And I think he goes toe-to-toe with Giannis, takes him to 7, averages 30 a game, is playing unbelievable. But I think Giannis ultimately takes the series. I think he's just the better player right now, obviously. He's a freak on both ends of the floor. And I think he'll have some monster game 7. I just don't think Tatum is ready to go to that next, next level that Giannis can go to. That like elite NBA superstar kind of level that I think Giannis can get to. I don't think Tatum can get to that level quite yet. Um, so I, I think Giannis comes out of the East. And I think out West, without home court advantage, I think the Clippers take the series against the Lakers. I think that's a huge blow for LeBron company. Uh, you know, I think that going into... If it, this was normal circumstances and you played in L.A. and you had seven basically home games for the Lakers is what it would feel like, then it'd be such a tough ask for the Clippers this whole situation takes that completely out of the equation, and I think it makes things so much easier for the Clippers. So I'll take the Clippers and then in the finals, I'll I'll take the Bucks over the Clippers. I just think it's Giannis's year, and I'll take him, you know, he's gonna win MVP, he's gonna win Defensive Player of the Year, and then he'll take home the Larry O'Brien trophy in the finals MVP as well. So uh, I just really love how the Bucks are constructed with their shooting and incredible depth. I think they've they're a complete team with almost no flaws, and that makes up for them maybe not having uh, a second star on the level of paul george or anthony davis even though middleton is really good um so the clippers were my preseason title pick but i'm going to switch now i think Giannis wins wills his way to the title and he powers through Kawhi uh this time and puts people in awe
1: that's a really good pick Giannis is the type of guy that will do it as well i just worry about the supporting cast around him we've seen it before like we saw the thing is we've seen it with lebron where lebron can just put a team on his back and will them to a championship and it'll be that type of performance you'd need from Giannis in that finals. I feel like the Clippers have a deeper bench. They've probably got a deeper rotation of guys on D. But if Giannis wants that title, Giannis is the sort of guy that can say that, right, I'm going to ball out. I'm going to be the best player in the world. I am going to put you on my back and I'm going to carry you to the championship. So there is that in it. Do you think if it was Bucks versus Lakers, if the Lakers came out the West, could you
0: see the Lakers beating the Bucks? Um... Honestly, I don't know. I, it's tough, you know. I, I think the Bucks are my pick no matter what. I think what we're gonna see from Giannis here, and if I can just you know play out the Clippers series, it's it's the same thing with Anthony Davis too. If Anthony Davis was guarding him, but I think you know last year Kawhi did a pretty good job against Giannis, and that's why the Raptors were able to win that series. This year, I think what we're gonna see is it, it's tough for the for the uh, for the Bucks because what the Clippers can do is they can stick Paul George on Chris Middleton, they can stick. Kawhi Leonard on Giannis, and then all of a sudden, two of the best wing defenders in the league are covering your two best players and your two top scoring options, and then what do you do? And I think what we're going to see, if I had to predict it, is Giannis powering through Kawhi and Kawhi really struggling to guard Giannis, which is crazy to say, obviously, because I know Kawhi is a great player, but I think that's what it would take, and I think that that's what we could see. And I, I know disrespect to Kawhi, he's a great defender. But, you know, if Giannis wants to win this series, that's what he's going to have to do. And I think it's possible. I think that Giannis is that unguardable, that he's just going to be able to, to go at Kawhi and having the experience of playing him last year should help. And and I think he's going to, to go just so insane this playoffs and, that he's going to be able to reach to a, even a level that even Kawhi can't contain. And I think that's what I'm predicting. Um, obviously, Lakers... Lakers Bucks is, is a different series um, completely that I haven't thought much about, but um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just can't see the Clippers Lakers getting past the Clippers just because you know of that extra depth the Clippers have, and I think. Kawhi always does a good job against LeBron, so I think he's gonna ha- be able to handle him pretty well. And if it comes down to Anthony Davis, uh, Anthony Davis hasn't always had the best success in the playoffs, so so, um, so I I think that's why I'm picking the Clippers over the Lakers. And you know I I don't really know what I'd pick uh, Bucks versus Bucks versus uh, Lakers, but I, I would have a hunch that I'd still probably pick the Bucks.
1: That's fair enough. I mean I can't argue about that. The only thing I the only reason I really want to see a Bucks Lakers is because that's such a gargantuan clash between old and new like the face of the league for the last decade or plus going against the new face of the league as lebron starts to age and i just want to see that battle the wheels between those two it's kind of like a passing of the torch series yeah uh, which is why i'm cheering for that so heavily i just want i really want to see those two go toe to toe over a seven game series
0: yeah it's almost like the lebron kobe finals that we never got you know like that kind of matchup so i definitely agree with you there uh one last thing i want to ask you actually before before we end What's your level of optimism that this all goes off without a hitch and the NBA season is completed? Obviously, there's some problems with the MLB right now. Uh, Do you think that we'll see this thing through in the NBA?
1: I'm about 80% positive that we will. I feel like unless a bunch of players come down with it all at once, that the protocols the league have put in place for quarantines and regular testing will be able to manage the occasional player. But the problem is this virus is so contagious that If one guy has it and it isn't picked up quickly, which I doubt it wouldn't be, then it would spread like wildfire. So at the moment, I'm saying I'm 80%. The last time they'd done a massive round of tests, there was no player in the bubble that contracted it. But the more guys that keep leaving that bubble, like Lou Will, I'm looking at you, and then coming back in, is going to make that far more difficult to contain. So I'd say I'm 80% positive it's going to play through to completion.
0: Yeah, I'm a little bit more hopeful than you, uh, even though you're pretty hopeful yourself. I'm about 90% sure this gets completed. So, you know, the Lou Williams stuff, the Kelly Obrey stuff, that's concerning. But I think the NBA is taking extra precautions, and ultimately I trust their leadership to get this thing done, you know, certainly more than baseball. So even still, you know, there's always a chance, like you said, something slips through and it's panic time, but hopefully that doesn't happen. And as these numbers come in, they're always encouraging from the NBA But it only takes one guy to break the seal and practice with his team, and then all bets are off. So, um, you know, that's the unfortunate part of this. But, um, okay, Adam, thank you for joining us. Guys, go go follow Adam on Twitter at AdamTaylorNBA uh, and go check out his Celtics blog pod. Uh, You're going to want to tune in because he's doing great work over there up to the NBA restart. So, uh, Adam, uh, thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, man, thanks for
1: having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at KJLGBS. Follow the pod on Twitter at Advocate Smart Project. And everything over at Guy Boston Sports. And thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week.